Hello and welcome to today's episode of Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. Today I'm joined by nutritional therapist and CNM graduate, Annie Breen. Annie is going to be talking to us about the gut-brain connection and its effect on mental health, which is very exciting. She'll also be sharing how she transformed her own health and built a successful career as a nutritionist. Annie is a mum to four-year-old Bonnie and host and founder of the BU Mum podcast and coaching program. Annie created BU Mum, her range of online nutrition and self-care coaching programs to help mums feel great about themselves. Hi, Annie. How are you? Oh, hello. I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much for joining me today to share your wisdom and health journey. It's really great to have you on the show. Oh, it's amazing to be here and it's just lovely to hear that introduction because it's kind of like a milestone in my journey. I think back to when I started out as a student and this is just really cool. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. It's always here to say, oh, is that me? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Is that me she's talking about? No, it's fabulous. And it also makes you realize how far you've come. As you say, you know, you started off wanting to learn a bit more about nutrition and then you've gone on this complete journey and now you have your own practice and you're doing all these fantastic things. So that's really inspiring for so many people. Oh, amazing. Thank you. So firstly, I mean, the gut-brain connection really fascinates me, especially its effect on mental health. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and expertise on this, especially sort of the factors that can disrupt our gut-brain connection. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the nitty gritty, please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to study nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Annie. I'm based in Edinburgh. I moved my practice online some years ago, actually, after having Bonnie. I studied with CNM Birmingham in 2012. Before that, I'd spent about 10 years working in the support sector. So I was working with people that might have been in domestic violence situations, um, mental health, substance misuse, the homeless, all sorts of different sectors in all sorts of different places and child protection, family support. It was really, really eye-opening. And one role in particular, you know, I really got to go into these families' homes and get to know them and almost become part of the family. And it was a coaching role to help them achieve pretty much what, what they wanted. You know, when you're under these kind of restrictions or frameworks, the idea was to actually have a professional go in and and listen to their wishes and support them, you know, coach them to achieve whatever their goals were. So that was amazing, really. But I got to a point, I was working in housing at the time and antisocial behavior. And I got to a point where just like, there must be more like this has been brilliant, but it was a chapter and I was ready for the next one. And I think I was seeing all these people change their lives on the outside and being part of that, you know, how we can we change your living environment or your job or your career or your benefits and all these kind of environmental factors. But I just got to the point where, you know, there must be more. I thought there must be more. How can people change from within? And that's when I really got into the nutrition. I heard about CNM from an old housemate that I used to live with and never looked back. So I joined CNM Birmingham. I had Joe Gamble as one of my main lecturers. 
And yeah, it was an incredible journey, really. And I think we all set out with some kind of agenda, normally a personal one, like family members that you want to help, your own health journey. I didn't really know where it was going to take me as such. I was just really fascinated to learn more about what's going on on the inside and our bodies and health, really. Absolutely. And it's amazing how sort of sometimes you go on this journey thinking, oh, I just want to find out a bit more. And then it takes you completely on a different direction as well. So that's amazing. So you studied the naturopathic nutrition diploma. So what was one thing you learned on the course that was kind of like a light bulb moment? So one of those sort of aha moments for you? I think it was really to look beneath the surface and always ask why and question things. You know, I've always been a bit of a rebel and I think that's come into its own with nutrition. We're not just accepting what we're told or being told that we have this health condition, we have to live with it. It's really looking beneath. And that is something that I learned through that, that kind of, I've got that picture of the iceberg in my head, you know, what's going on underneath. So yes, that kind of detective side of me came out. Definitely. And we need, as practitioners, we do need to be good detectives, um, without a doubt, because, you know, it's never the same. There's no one size fits all, is there? There's, you know, you might have two people presenting with the same issue or complaint, but you'll treat them completely different. So yeah, I think you, you need yeah. to get to the bottom and peel back those layers for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so how did studying nutrition change your life other than your career? So what other things did it give you? That is a good question. It, um, do you know what? I, I, I find it quite hard to articulate, but it's just the knowledge. It's the understanding of how your body works and what information via food and lifestyle you need to put into it for it to work at its best and that you can feel really, really good. So I think it kind of pushed the limitations for me. It's made me realize that I'm in control of my health and happiness and it's limitless. There's so much you can do. We're kind of on this evolving journey. There's no destination. Um, so I changed my diet. Like I remember like specific changes that really had a huge impact on me. That was removing dairy from my diet. So I used to get really, really bloated and I used to fall asleep in the middle of the day. And that was my normal. Like that just was normal to me. I accepted yeah. that for a long time. And because I was someone that was always going to the gym and eating reasonably healthy and I kept on going and I had a career, no one would think any different, even myself. You start to kind of question yourself, like this is normal. So then when I joined CNM, there was a few things we all, all experiment along the way. So taking dairy out and adding some probiotics in and literally overnight, I think I lost, well, I described it as weight at the time, but it must've been inflammation. Um, and I just felt clearer in my head, lighter in my body and just so much better. And I think, you know, that really kind of made me realize there must be something in this. And then you kind of take it a step further and started did like a metabolic detox at one point which is just eating a lot more kind of anti-inflammatory foods and just started to feel better and better and better and like you said it is peeling away those layers of the onion you don't overhaul everything at once but you go through life kind of collecting these little pieces of the puzzle and um, I got a lot from studying nutrition fantastic that's um that's amazing um so since graduating from CNM you've built a very successful practice as a nutritional therapist primarily help supporting mums to look and feel their best so what got you started 
in this direction, sort of specialising in this niche? Yeah, it's quite funny because when I joined, I was single, didn't have any kids. Um, I was just on my own. I think I was living in a garage for a bit, actually. And, oh, wow. <laughs> a nice garage. Um, so my circumstances were very different. And I wasn't massively interested in like female health, reproductive health, hormones. I think there were a few lectures that I might have missed. <laughs> I feel bad saying that saying that but the microbiome always like fascinated me but in terms of female health you know where I'm at now that wasn't really my interest so that really came from my personal circumstances so when um when I had Bonnie that was 2016 everything changed and I would say that um because we were we got married not long before and we were obviously looking after ourselves in preparation for the marriage. They say that like a woman will plan her marriage for like a year, but then not necessarily the pregnancy. So I think, you know, that had helped all the, the fitness, the eating well, that side of things. There was quite a bit of stress, but I was in good shape, I would say, for my pregnancy. And that was really fine as well. But my challenges came afterwards. And it just, and even the birth, like, you know, as far as births go, I wouldn't want to do it again in a hurry, but it was, it was great. You know, th there was no trauma. It was a great experience. Um, but afterwards, I just was hit by this overwhelm. And I don't think I'd use that word as much as I ever have, like in the first year of having Bonnie. And it's almost like this overwhelming love, like, oh my goodness, this little bundle of love and joy is amazing. Am I enough for her? And I didn't realize that at the time. I was just really teary, overwhelmed and exhausted. But on reflection, it was very much, it came back to me, like, am I good enough for this amazing little person? Am I enough to be her mum? And you start questioning yourself. And it really came from this place of like inner fear of just not feeling like enough. And from that, you know, there was the sleepless nights. I was depleted. I was exhausted. I didn't know about all this stuff at the time. So I later found out about Dr. Oscar Serilak's work, The Postnatal Depletion Cure. He wrote that book. And about matrescence, which is the a term used to describe the process of becoming a mother. So like adolescence, it can take time and years and it affects your physiology, your mental health, your emotions, your hormones, all these things. So I didn't know about any of that at the time. These were my pieces of the puzzle. I was kind of scrambling to get along the way. And it was really hard and it did go on, I would say, a year and a half, two years, I was overwhelmed by symptoms that really kind of dominated my motherhood experience in a way. And I have to separate Bonnie from motherhood. Like Bonnie is amazing. I love her. She's the best thing ever. Motherhood is hard. And, you know, I, I, I've, I think it was about two weeks out of each month that I just really, really struggled, really low mood, really tired, very anxious, incredibly overwhelmed, kind of burnt out. I felt very kind of, I guess, weak and, and out of place, like I shouldn't be feeling that way. And then the rest of the month was kind of just that survival mode. Um, and don't get me wrong, like to look at and to look at photos and look at Facebook and what we were doing, you would never know. And I think that's the thing. It's kind of these invisible pressures that you 
carry there's so much going on behind the scenes and you do think you're wrong for feeling that way there is this modern narrative that's kind of like you know this 21st century mumming that you should be able to do the job do the mumming your maternity leave is kind of road mapped by going back to work so that was another pressure as well I thought I'd be off for two months so it's two years later there's just so much change I think everything changes around you and you feel like you're left behind a little bit so it was a very much a inner journey of discovering who I was again as much as it was about raising Bonnie I needed to raise myself no absolutely and I think that transition into motherhood is so overwhelming and I can totally relate to it Annie yeah. and I imagine lots of other new mums out there can too because there's no guidebook is there you you can read all the articles read all the books do all the classes but nothing will prepare you for that change and it's your whole life changes so it's mm-hmm. having to adapt to that as well as sort of the outside pressures of what other mums are doing and you know so a lot of women do struggle in silence and And I think that's really sad. So it's great that you are sort of shining a light on it and sort of saying, look, it's okay to feel this way. There is light at the end of the tunnel and these are some steps that you can take to get through. Absolutely. And I would just say it's made me the person I am. Like there was a time in my life, a couple of times growing up where I didn't really like myself. I didn't know who I was. So it's hard to like what you don't know. And becoming a mum, having Bonnie as my teacher, Dan as my husband, has taught me to love myself. And right now I'm literally sat in a renovating, like my bedroom. There's nothing, no paint on the walls. Like this is balanced on a little, um, what is it, kind of cart carton box thing and you know there's loads of things you could focus on that aren't right but I don't feel that way anymore I'm not focusing on like finances what we haven't got I feel so lucky because I just feel much more peaceful and it's not like that all the time like it is kind of peaceful chaos but this has really made me help me love myself absolutely and I think it is all about that mindset and focusing on what you have control over and what are the things that are you know good good in your life so talk us through what are some of the steps that you took to overcome your anxiety and and the low mood things did get quite bad and I think that was really the kind of push to make some changes so everyone will reach their own kind of whatever they call it rock bottom or enough's enough um the first thing was to talk to someone and I think this is the thing with mums like we wear this mask we feel that we can't say how we truly feel or sometimes we're so overwhelmed and tired we just can't articulate it we can't get the words out so having that space just to be honest and talk was hugely therapeutic it was necessary to have that voice the second thing was creating space. So I didn't, I think I went back to work and then stopped again. I was working in a clinic at the time. Um, so just having that time for me, and I don't really know what I did with it. I had all these big plans, like I was going to sort out the whole house. And I did go do the food shopping and did the cooking and that side of things. Bonnie started nursery as well. Um, I think she was about a year at this point. So not particularly um, young. So just having that space to think because I think when we're moving really fast and we're juggling all the balls and spinning all the plates you can't think for yourself so I needed to slow down so talking slowing down sleep sleep was everything and I kind of feel like it's a bit of a swear word even I'm careful talking about it around other mums because you know if your kid is not sleeping how am I supposed to get sleep so I think it's really tricky but what we did 
because we weren't getting enough sleep and that really was changing, you know, it was affecting everything, is we just communicated about it. So me and Dan sat down, we talked about it, we came up with a plan and we tried different things. Like I was downstairs for a bit, he was upstairs, we did it in shifts, we swapped. Um, I tried different supplements while I had the opportunity to have the sleep. And do you know what? It all made a big difference. It really did. And even in the day back then when she napped, I did nap and I did do some more restorative stuff if I couldn't sleep as such. So it's just really prioritizing it, I think, rather than just writing it off thinking, I'm just not going to sleep. Talk about it, look at ways it's becoming a little bit creative, but also not putting too much pressure to get it right. Just try a few different things. I think Oscar Serilac says that a new mum loses about 700 hours sleep in the first year of motherhood. And we know, we talk about sleep all the time. And, And still, when I go to seminars and you hear about people talking about shift workers and the detriment to their kind of, you know, how their circadian rhythm is thrown out. And I'm just sat there thinking about mums are kind of shift workers. You know, what can we do? So there are things you can do. I always say, if you can't get long sleep, look at getting restorative sleep, look at certain things you can take. I love magnesium, obviously making sure it's safe with breastfeeding, etc. So, so look at it, be creative, change your approach, look at where you can grab some time. So that was talking, creating space, sleep, and then, of course, nutrition. We came up with a plan. Great. So, yeah, talk us through that. So what sort of, were there any particular foods that you avoided or took out of your diet that were perhaps making your symptoms worse? What kind of foods did you stock up on and try and eat lots of those to nourish your body? Yeah. So it was very much focused on like replenishment. It's very easy, isn't it, to want to get back into your genes or back into your body or back, back, back when we're no, we're not going back. So I think it was changing that mindset and looking forward that I needed to nourish myself. I needed to replenish because we gift so much of our nutrients to our children through the pregnancy, through the birth and then feeding. I'm still yeah. feeding Bonnie, by the way. <laughs> Oh, wow. so, yeah, I don't know what it feels like yet to not be. So nutrition is really important. I focused on protein, so quality protein, and really the healthy fats. I'd say the omega freeze has been my kind of dynamite. Like I've, I've needed, I've needed the healthy fats for for our brain health, for inflammation, for Bonnie's health as well. The, the omega freeze, the DHA is passed through into the breast milk. So that's really important. Avocados, oily fish, coconut, nuts, seeds, flax seeds, those sorts of things. I try and do things that or make things that I could do with one hand. So yeah. very <laughs> like, important. Yeah. So things I could eat with one hand at least, like stews, curries. We use the slow cooker all the time, smoothie maker, made soups. Have more smaller regular meals rather than kind of leaving long spaces between. And then loads of color, really anti-inflammatory, because even if you have a, a reasonably straightforward birth, it still causes the immune system to kind of activate. It needs to be rebalanced. So there's a lot of healing, tissue healing, that needs to take place. So lots of vitamin C rich foods, just lots of color for veg, like plant-based foods. Um, and we did come up with a plan. Literally, I did like a four week plan. There was both of us on board and, um, we were quite prepared and we batch cooked and we used our freezer and that sort of thing. And that really did make a difference. Absolutely. And I think 
that's the key there. So as a new mum, it's about trying to get as organized as possible so having because sometimes when we go into the kitchen and we think all right I need to just whip this meal up and when you don't know where to start it can be another overwhelm or another thing you've got to do so I think if you can plan ahead like do batch cooking or sort of know what meals you perhaps want to cook for the week that helps lessen the stress and the load as well absolutely and you know what ask for help if there's people coming round get them to cook a meal get them to bring a meal even vouchers for like um home delivery meals that you can put together that sort of thing I think that that is definitely the way to go don't try and do it all yourself ask for help keep it simple um and keep it kind of colorful and just whole foods I also say to myself like I'm eating to feed my brain I'm eating to feed my energy and my gut bugs we're not just eating to survive we're not eating to diet so it's that kind of mindset as well that it's essential it is information that makes every process in our bodies work it's not just fuel um so it's that kind of yeah little mantra as well that mindset shift Definitely. Now, talking about the brain, uh, let's move on to the gut-brain connection. So I find this absolutely fascinating. So the gut has been dubbed as our second brain. And according to research, it has the power to influence our behavior and mood. Mm. So it's not only important for our immune system, it's also important for our nervous system too. Mm. So can you please tell us a little bit about the gut-brain connection and how it influences our mental health? Yeah. So when Bonnie was about one and a half, I think it was 2018, I did a comprehensive stool analysis, so a digestive test. Incidentally, we've all done them in the family now. (laughs) (laughs) Bonnie loved taking her poo to the post office. Um, (laughs) And it was because I felt, this sounds like a funny thing to say, but obviously as already a nutritional therapist, I had a certain insight. I felt inflamed. I felt something wasn't right. And I knew about the gut and the brain connection. It was something I was always fascinated in. So I did this test and it showed that I had imbalances in my gut bacteria. So in our gut, we have trillions of microorganisms. I like to describe it as, I think we've got more bugs in our gut than we have stars in the Milky Way. So we've literally, oh, I like got, yeah. <laughs> we've mm-hmm. literally got this galaxy going on inside of us. We have never, ever as human beings um, existed without these bugs. So we've coexisted with them. So, of course, it makes you think they must have some good, you know, they must have a purpose and they absolutely do. So what can happen is when they fall out of balance, you can start to get health symptoms, which are quite wide reaching. And that's what happened with me. And this is really my overwhelm, my emotional health. Although I had physical health symptoms like stomach cramps, bloating in the morning, it was my emotional health that took over because without that really, you know, it's very hard to be healthy and happy. It kind of, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Both together, you can't separate the two. But that was my main driver. So, and I was also inflamed. So the gut and the brain are connected via the vagus nerve. And what I found really interesting is the, it's like a kind of modem, like this big wire that plugs into your amygdala, which is your fear center in the brain, and then goes all the way around your gut and vital organs and plugs into the adrenals. So at one end, you've got fear, and the other end, you've got fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And the 
communication going from the brain to the guts or downwards, if you like, is actually only 10%. Whereas the communication, the signaling going back up from the gut to the brain is 90%. Wow. So they literally talk to each other. And if you think that if you've got imbalances in the gut, so I had a few bacteria that were out of balance, viruses, we've all got these things, by the way, in our gut, it's just about balance, parasites, different things that kind of become overgrown. The signaling is going to be intercepted, it's not going to be clear, or it's not going to be a happy message, as simple as that. And then we kind of activate um, these fight or flight kind of mechanisms because the body, the brain thinks it's under attack. When we're under attack, we activate the immune system, inflammation, and you kind of have this perpetuating cycle. So this is how I kind of describe my motherhood a bit as being stuck in a survival mode. And when you have survival physiology, you have survival thoughts. So sometimes your emotional or things that manifest as emotional or mental health could be coming from the body because it's kind of like this, this feedback, this cycle. And of course, there's lots of other stuff feeding in. So I think some of the biggest kind of stresses are how we feel about ourselves, our belief systems, our values, the story we tell ourselves, whether we feel good enough or not. That's a stressor. So the body can't recognize whether something is happening or not. So if you're feeling really like, I can't do this, I'm I don't believe in my ability. I'm not good enough. I'm worried about what I said there. That person doesn't like me. That is activating this kind of system of stress and inflammation chronically. And it's the chronic um, activation that's the problem because we're switching it on, but we're not switching it off. Yes, definitely. And I think that's just so interesting how it's all connected. We know that making poor dietary and lifestyle choices such as eating too much sugar or drinking coffee can negatively impact our health. Mm -hmm. But how does our food and lifestyle directly affect our gut-brain connection? So there's a couple of things that really do affect and that's food so food is our biggest challenge that we put on the body because we're eating every day and um the gut needs to deal with with everything that we put in so if we're eating a more inflammatory diet so this is things like refined sugars sometimes gluten dairy and soy are seen as being common offenders because of their proteins they're quite hard to digest this is all individual of course trans fats processed foods things that come in really bright packaging with ingredients you can't really pronounce like i would always be suspicious of because they're not really compatible with our dna so if we're putting those sorts of foods in our body then it can be quite damaging to our ecosystem of gut bugs, that little galaxy of bugs that reside in our gut. When the army are broken down, that's when the gut wall becomes incredibly fragile. So those sorts of foods can literally sort of imbalance our gut bugs. They tend to like um, more sugary type foods that can throw the, the balance out. When you lose that balance, then the gut wall can become permeable so it can become this term leaky gut that's not the scientific term but it's well known when these tight junctions come apart and then things start passing through 
So when they pass through, the immune system launches this attack. And this is where it can start to recognize certain foods and we get food intolerances and we don't really know what to eat anymore. And we describe ourselves as being really reactive or sensitive or, you know, just I don't know what to eat. But actually, it's not always the food that is the problem. Those sorts of foods are not good for us because they're not compatible with us in large amounts. But it can be this loss of integrity of the gut. So if we think about inflammatory foods, we think about um, toxins from the environment, our skincare products, what we're drinking, what we're eating, additives, etc. Stress, for the reasons that I mentioned, can cause this imbalance and this um, sort of loss of integrity of the gut. And then sort of medications like antibiotics are probably the most, most well-known ones. And obviously sometimes they're completely necessary. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and also stomach acid blocking drugs. We need good acid to break down our food and absorb our nutrients. So if you think about it in terms of over time, this accumulation, if you have, I don't know, a slightly sort of more inflammatory diet maybe you're taking a few medications for your symptoms maybe you're stressed and on the go and you don't have much time for you it's this build-up of all of those things that can knock our bugs out of balance which in themselves produce vitamins produce brain chemicals you know they help us digest they help us absorb they keep us healthy and happy and then we lose that integrity of the gut lining then you can see this kind of inflammation is chronically activated because we're always fighting the things that are passing through. They shouldn't be on that side of the gut. No, absolutely. And that in turn then affects our mental health, anxiety levels, mood goes down, as well as a number of other things. So so what are some natural solutions for healing up that gut? What's the sort of step-by-step process if you had somebody come up into your clinic that had these things going on? How would you approach that naturally? So I really think in terms of like, you know, a mum and and how much we have going on, the most important step, first step is that creating space, just tuning into your body, because we're so on the go and busy that we kind of become disconnected from our symptoms. And that's where we override it with painkillers or wine or sugar or that sort Mm -hmm. of thing because of that inflammatory type. So it's breaking the cycle a little bit. Take some time out create some space, do some deep breathing, write down your symptoms, and then maybe keep a food diary. So I think this is really eye-opening because you start to write down your food, honestly, and it speaks to you. Like you can see whether this is more a pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory diet. Look at your plate, that sort of thing. So it's just this awareness so that's the first thing because we don't want to overwhelm anyone by, we don't want to add stress. Self-care shouldn't add, it should take it away. It's not always easy, it's different, but I think it's being really realistic. So if you look at your plate and your food diary and you think, okay, there's hardly any vegetables there. Um, I'm gonna, this week I'm just going to add like an extra couple of portions or, oh, I don't really eat any omega-free fats. The gut likes that. So adding it in. It's looking your baseline and up-leveling it, basically. So fermented foods, if you've never tried them before and your diet's reasonably okay, try adding a few portions of that in. Anti-inflammatory nutrients like ginger and turmeric. So it's just looking at where you can make a little bit of a difference. And you normally intuitively, you know what feels right, what you should be doing, what maybe you should try and avoid. So it's not just about restriction, it's adding stuff in as well. 
that would be the the main thing. Yes, I do recommend probiotics quite often. I do take them myself. I think they can be really helpful in terms of giving you that kind of step, building the bridge forward um, to sort of healing and rebalancing. And then the really kind of, <laughs> it's quite hard, chew your food, like eat, sit, actually ha- rest and digest have a break how many of us get up and we're on the go straight away and we're dealing with our kids and we're putting people's needs before our own and it's not on purpose it's just the way that life is sometimes so I think it's about taking care of your own needs so then you can take care of your children's needs and not kind of compromising on your diet to feed your little ones which I did for a long time and now I don't I'll make sure that Dan and I have a nutritious meal and then a body needs an adaptation to that or we just do something it's not really too much more work it's just a slight adaptation that's fine whereas before I might just eat what she was having or have leftovers so it's really thinking prioritizing your nutritional needs sitting down chewing your food breathing um and thinking about what else meal times bring i know they can be stressful but they're also an opportunity to come together and have a conversation have some fun as well Absolutely. And I think that last point about sort of chewing your food and taking time to eat is so important because, you know, we live in this busy world and everyone's on the run all the time and, you know, grabbing food or not even taking a lunch break, just eating at their desk. And I think uh, we've forgotten how to chew. We're just wolfing down the food. So Mm. I think that's a really important one for gut health. Take time to, to do. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So any other sort of lifestyle, just to sort of finish up, any other sort of lifestyle factors that we need to be aware of or environmental toxins? So you talked about sort of products you put on your skin. Is there any sort of big ones that we really need to kind of take stock of and be aware of? Yeah, I think really just with those sorts of things is go to more natural. So there's loads of websites that do just natural products uh, that are free of parabens and sulfates and all these kind of things so I would just to avoid that I would go there and use those products as some really nice ones um lovelula.com I think is great for that you can filter your water and also use like glass or steel containers or bamboo instead of plastics so I always went in terms of environmental toxins look at what you put in your body and on your body so food drink and then cosmetics and again it's not about changing everything it's just choosing or perhaps you use plastic containers and you're always taking your food out you know having a pet lunch so change that first maybe you don't filter your water and this is obviously area dependent as well but um it's just those little changes there I think the big piece of the puzzle is how we feel about ourselves and our belief systems and how much we kind of prioritize our needs and connect with our needs. So we put a lot of energy on our physical health. And I think sometimes we need to wade through the fog, you know, really um, can allow us then to have that clarity to really focus on more of what we love. So as much as like putting all these amazing foods into your gut and breathing and taking time to eat and sort of reducing your toxic load. It's really creating that space to reconnect with what's in your heart. 
And I think the more that we focus, use our mind to focus what's in our heart, we're more inclined to take those steps to look after ourselves because it becomes this kind of journey of personal growth. Like we're always evolving around this cycle. It doesn't become too much of an effort anymore. It becomes enjoyable because you are so connected with yourself and you love feeling good and it's not about perfection and sometimes challenges will come your way and life will you know throw curveballs and it might knock you off a bit but it's just reminding yourself that during those times we actually need to prioritize our health our nutrition our personal management so yes the physical is a really big piece of the puzzle it's an important one but we can't forget about our whole self, the mind, body, heart, and spirit. What's important to us? What do we love to do? What really raises our vibe? And making sure we create space and time to bring more of that into our lives. Okay, fantastic. No, I love that. So just to finish up now, Annie, I'd like to ask you, so what's the one piece of advice you can give to someone wanting to learn more about nutrition, whether that to become a practitioner or to improve their own health? Wow, that's a good one. So I would just say that it is contact CNM and find out about the courses. <laughs> you know, do look into it. If this is something that you want to do yourself, start with yourself. I think work with a practitioner, you know, experience it for yourself. Be open to it being this journey of self-discovery. Like I never, ever knew that it was going to lead me to where I am now. And it's really, if anything else, you know, it's helped me feel better about myself. It's helped me. It's really empowered me and equipped me with the information I need to look after myself and my family. And that's priceless. So I think, you know, take that step, look into it, work with someone. Um, I think committing to working with a therapist, regardless of what they do, is just you know, a testament to your kind of self-care. So experiment, explore, take a few steps forward and enjoy the journey, you know, really see it as this kind of personal growth adventure. You'll find out so much about yourself and it's massively empowering. Fantastic. Now that's great advice. Thank you, Annie. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, Thank you for listening and thank you, Annie, for sharing your wisdom. It's been great having you here. You can find all the information that we've discussed today and all the points that Annie talked about and a bit more about Annie in the show notes on the CNM website at www.cnmpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about nutrition, check out CNM's short course, Nutrition for Everyday Living, or the naturopathic nutrition diploma, one that Annie did, for a more in-depth study program. And CNM also offer a natural skincare. So if you want to learn all about natural skincare and nutrition and how to make your own products, CNM offer a short course in that too. So be sure to check that out. So join us again next week where I talk to osteopath and CNM's Director of Education, Bobby Qureshi, about the common causes of back pain and how you can alleviate back pain naturally. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.